Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. From muddy jungle paths to snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder is ready to take you to some of the most phenomenal destinations on Earth. In a Pathfinder, it's more than just the arrival. The real excitement comes from the ride to get there. With seven drive modes, Pathfinder's available intelligent four-wheel drive is built for some of the most epic journeys. So chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures in the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. This is an historic time. This is going to be a multi-year fight. Why is it taking so long to get a screening test? It is not a hoax. It is real. Something that we have never experienced before. Wash hands, wash hands, wash hands. I mean, you're the scientist. You're going to have to tell me. (laughs) Welcome, welcome to Science Rules Coronavirus Edition. I'm your host, Bill Nye, and this is the series that brings you the latest analysis and the science of this pandemic. We want to keep you informed, prepared and calm. We're still all in this together, my friends. And last time we had Dr. Celine Gounder on the show in July of last year, 3 million people in the U.S. had been infected with COVID-19, with nearly 130,000 deaths. Now, roughly 24 million of us have been infected, and that number is increasing by a quarter million people every day, and almost 400,000 people have died with the death rate reaching as high as 4,000 a day in the past few weeks. Now, amid these grim statistics, two vaccines are rolling out across the United States, but slower than promised and much more slowly than most of us would like. Joining us to sort through your vaccine questions is once again Dr. Celine Gounder. Dr. Gounder is an assistant professor of medicine and infectious diseases at New York University, an epidemiologist, host of the podcast Epidemic, and the podcast American Diagnosis, and most recently a member of President-elect Joe Biden's COVID-19 Advisory Board. Dr. Gounder, Celine, welcome back to Science Rules. Great to be here, Bill. I can't believe it's been since July. I know. I know. And so much has happened. You know, Corey and I were asked to speculate uh, about how long it would take to get to half a million deaths. We thought it would be three years. We're already at 400,000. My goodness. All right. That aside. So what's going to be different after the inauguration than what's going on today? (laughs) Well, you may have already heard about uh, Biden's America Rescue Plan. So this is a 1.9 trillion, so trillion with a T, bill a trillion dollar plan to uh, rescue the American economy and the American people from the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, that might sound like a lot of money, 1.9 trillion dollars, but that's nowhere near what the pandemic is costing the American economy right now. It's estimated that the pandemic will cost us 16 trillion dollars. So to put that in context, that is about twice as 
as much as we have spent on all wars since 9-11, twice as much. And the cost of the pandemic, $16 trillion, that's almost 10 times as much as this America Rescue Plan that the president is proposing now. So it's really a, a drop in the bucket compared to what the cost of the pandemic has been and a really important investment for the country to be making to bring it to an end. All right. Should we all get the mRNA vaccine and avoid the AstraZeneca one? Is one mRNA vaccine better than the other? Is Pfizer versus Moderna? Uh, do you have an opinion on it, or you'd have to you'd have to kill us? <laughs> I think big picture, the uh, Pfizer and Moderna mRNA vaccines are are pretty much equivalent. I think where the real differences come into play is with respect to how they're stored, at what temperature they need to be frozen or deep frozen, and what that means in terms of the logistics of distributing them and administering them at the clinic or hospital level. Um, so the Pfizer vaccine is a more fragile vaccine. So that's the one that requires the deep freezing. A lot of your regular family practice doctors are simply not going to have the facilities in their clinics to store that. Um, and so I think, you know, where where the vaccines are administered will really dictate which vaccine is administered. And I would just advise go wherever's convenient, wherever you're able to get vaccinated. And, and don't worry so much about whether it's Pfizer or Moderna, uh, Pfizer or Moderna, that, you know, they're, they're fairly equivalent vaccines. Let's talk about me. Uh, I'm uh, of a certain age, but I haven't gotten a notice to get vaccinated. And it's not clear that I will because these tiers are so complicated. What are you guys going to change? So it's become very clear over the first couple of weeks of this rollout that the CDC guidance, as well-intentioned as it was, is just too complicated. They did try to balance the science, so looking at who is being infected at the highest rates, who is getting sick and dying at the highest rates. They tried to balance um, the ethics in terms of who's still having to go out there and work in the middle of all of this, who doesn't have the option to stay home and work virtually, who um, which populations have hit, been hit especially hard uh, in terms of uh, deaths from COVID. So that's largely been, as we all know now, communities of color, but also others. Um, and then also, uh, thirdly, implementation. So how practical was it to implement? And I think that's the piece they probably didn't weigh heavily enough in in drawing up this guidance. And, and that's what we've realized. So I think our goal now is to try to just accelerate vaccination as much as possible. Uh, and yes, we'll still be trying to prioritize healthcare workers and long-term care facilities and, and the elderly and, and others for that matter. But we're not going to turn people away who are presenting for vaccination, um, you know, if it's if it's reasonably within the priorities that have been outlined, um, because the goal really is to get people vaccinated as soon as possible. So, is there going to be part of your plan? Is there going to be a scheme to notify people? What's going to change? Well, a couple things. One, you're going to see a lot more places where people can get vaccinated. So Dodger Stadium is an example of one kind of place. You know, we're looking at in New York, Yankee Stadium and in Boston, um, Gillette Field and the Fenway. Uh, so there's going to be a number of sports stadiums, venues, ballparks that are going to be used. But it's not just those for 
for mass vaccination, you're also going to see mass vaccination sites that are more embedded in communities. So these could be at schools, uh, community health centers, maybe the parking lot at a mall, but focused on some of these communities that have been hit especially hard and where access might be more difficult. Let me ask you a couple specific questions about the vaccine that people are wondering. One dose will work for younger people. Is that true? That we simply don't have an answer to because the vaccines have not been studied in that way. So uh, part of, you know, trying to get these vaccines approved as quickly and safely as possible was that we simply could not look at many different dosing schedules. Uh, We really had one dosing schedule, essentially um, the full dose of the Pfizer vaccine, the full dose of the Moderna vaccine, uh, the Pfizer vaccine at 21 days apart, the Moderna vaccine at 28 days apart. So the two doses, and that's what we have data on. We don't have data on um, half dose or different um, spacing out of doses or one dose. It just hasn't been studied that way in a phase three clinical trial. So it hasn't been studied in that way in tens of thousands of people. And so we just don't have the data to say. So why did you all, why do people, why do professionals come up with two doses to start with? I, I think it's with the idea that you on re-challenge with an infection, with an infectious pathogen, whether that's a bacterial infection or a virus, et cetera, uh, that your immune system continues to fine-tune its response. So it gets more specific on the second challenge. It gets stronger, more robust, and it lasts longer. So, you know, this is really based on what we know about other infections, other vaccines. And so it stands to reason that a initial dose with essentially a booster uh, would be an effective strategy here. How much of the problem of getting people vaccinated has been mistrust or reluctance to... uh to get any sort of vaccine, let alone this one. And then why are so many, is it a myth that so many medical workers and assisted care facility workers are reluctant to get vaccinated? What's what's going on? Well, those kind of go hand in hand, right? Because those are the groups that are being targeted uh, for vaccination, at least in the first phase. And there has been some reluctance. You have to remember that um, the staff of long-term care facilities, so nursing homes and assisted living facilities, they are by and large women and women of color. Uh, They are not very often uh, empowered. They don't feel like they can trust their employers always. Um, And so there's already an issue of trust in that work setting. In terms of the healthcare setting, it's not so dissimilar once you look at people who are not physicians. Um, Again, you have a much higher proportion of of women, of people of color, who don't trust management. And so when management tells them you need to get vaccinated, they're going to, you know, think about that and, and consider whether that's really what's in their best interest. If you've been infected, with COVID and recovered, if you've gotten one or two doses of the vaccine and you, if you had any side effects, they've uh, washed away, are you still contagious? Can you infect other people? So if you have been vaccinated and you've received two doses of the vaccine by about 14 days after the second dose, you should be immune. Now, the caveat is these vaccines are about 95% effective, so there's still about a 5% failure rate. So hold it. That's about being immune. But what about being contagious? 
So your question is, can you get infected and transmit on to others? So we don't yet know fully the answer to that question. We hope, based on what we've seen with other infections, other vaccines, that once you have developed immunity, in particular the immunity from the vaccine, that you cannot get infected and then you therefore would not be able to transmit. But we don't know that for sure. And it is possible that you could still have a low-grade infection where you don't get sick, you don't even know it, but that you could transmit onto others. So this is something that uh, we are studying carefully. And at least for the time being, even after you've been infected and gotten better or you've been vaccinated, we are still recommending that for the time being, you continue wearing a mask to protect yourself from those low-grade infections and, and potentially infecting others. So speaking of low-grade infections, looking at the charts, flu season is not nearly as severe as it normally or what one might expect. Is that because people are wearing masks, staying home, doing all these things? Oh, 100%. It's had a huge impact on flu transmission, which I'm very thankful for, because if we had had a bad flu season on top of coronavirus this year, I don't know what we would have done in the hospitals. Um, so clearly wearing masks, social distancing, the you know these issues of ventilation, um, that has a huge impact on not just coronavirus transmission, but all sorts of respiratory infections. So- Along this line, you know, you just mentioned ventilation, being outdoors. There was all this concern, I guess there still is, all this concern about people being indoors in the winter. People be cold outside, they're going to be in, indoors, so you'd expect higher transmission. But I look at the big map. Places like North Dakota, South Dakota, they're not as bad as they were a few months ago. Is, there, is that just a small sample size or is there some real effect going on? Well, I think what you also see is when a place gets hit really bad, people compensate in their behavior. So they do start to take it seriously when it's not just on television, when it's actually in their family, in their community. So I think part of what you're seeing is, is sort of the pendulum swinging the other way in these other places. That's not to say um, that you won't see a resurgence as people uh, let down their guard again. We'll be back right after this. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus is central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. From muddy jungle paths to snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder is ready to take you to some of the most phenomenal destinations on Earth. In a Pathfinder, it's more than just the arrival. The real excitement comes from the ride to get there. With seven drive modes, Pathfinder's available intelligent four-wheel drive is built for some of the most epic journeys. So chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures in the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. When your space has the long-lasting, noticeable scent of Airwick Vibrant Essential Mist, you'll want to invite everyone over. From book club to reality TV watch parties, even the in-laws. It smells... 
Amazing. Airwick Vibrant Essential Mist is infused with two times more essential oil versus regular Airwick Essential Mist for our most authentic, nature-inspired fragrance experience. Airwick Vibrant Essential Mist is perfectly portable and effortlessly easy, the way fragrance should be. Now that's a breath of fresh Airwick. Another exciting news. There are new strains that are even more infectious. How serious is this? And what is the evidence, if any, that the vaccines are as effective against this new or these new strains as they were uh, against the first one? So this is really concerning. Um, I'm not breaking any news here when I say this because it's been reported elsewhere. But on Christmas Eve, our advisory board had an emergency meeting to discuss this very issue and to come up with uh, a plan and, and suggestions for the president-elect uh, as to what to do. It is not surprising that we're seeing the emergence of variants. What is concerning is that we have not been doing the surveillance to detect them. We haven't been doing the testing. Um, and it's not that we don't have the technology here in the United States. We just choose not to invest in that kind of public health surveillance the way other countries like the UK have done. And so, so when you say surveillance, hang on, how do we know? You, you're doing a DNA sequencing or... So essentially oh, doing, fancy machine. yeah, doing genetic testing on the virus to see how the genetics of the virus are changing over time. That's what we mean when we talk about, you know, the virus mutating and all viruses are going to mutate at some rate over time. But if you don't track that, you can't know what, you know, whether that is concerning or not. And what's been worrisome about these new variants, like the one in the UK, um, is that it does transmit spread from one person to another much more easily. And so even if it's not more deadly, if more people get infected, then more people will end up in the hospital and more people will end up dying from this. So then what do we do? Do we change the vaccine? Are we going to try to reformulate it or something? Are we just going to carry on? And, and when you say there's a variant and you can detect it with genetic sequencing machines, how long does this take? Does it take five minutes or a month kind of thing? I mean, this is the kind of thing you can do within a day, but you need to decide you're going to collect the specimens, send them to the lab, do this actual testing, um, and that has not been routinely done. Um, in terms of the the vaccines, we don't have full information on all the variants, and there are a number now. You have the UK variant, you have the Brazil variant, the South Africa variant, you have one from Ohio, one in California, and there's probably more that we just don't know about yet. And so what needs to be done for each and every one of them is figure out, okay, is this more transmissible? Will it cause more severe disease? Will it still respond to some of the new therapeutics, drugs that we've come up with, like the um, monoclonal antibodies that Eli Lilly and Regeneron have produced? And what does it mean for the vaccine? Will the immune response generated by the vaccine still protect us against these new variants? And that research just hasn't been done for all of them yet. We're going to get to some email. Here's one from Corey, not Corey Powell, a whole different other Corey who is a frontline healthcare worker in the Southwest, I guess the Sun Belt. I just got my first dose of the Pfizer COVID vaccine. If I were to now get a COVID antigen test, would I now test positive for the virus? I mean, I guess assuming the first test was negative. So no, you, you're because the mRNA vaccines are essentially turning your cells 
into little factories that produce spike protein. And the antigen tests that most folks are using are testing for the nucleocapsid, which is a different part of the virus. You should still have a negative antigen test result even after vaccination. How cool that we understand it. Everybody understand 30 years ago, this was impossible. You couldn't even ask this question. I mean, it's just fantastic. All right. Mel Powell, also not apparently related to Corey Powell. I have an ironclad pact with a local longtime friend. As soon as we both have gotten both our vaccinations, we will drop everything in our busy schedules and meet up, still masked, for a simple, basic, long-missed hug. Is that coronavirus legal or, or coronavirus advised? Or do these two still need to wait to uh, declad the ironclad pact? I think if they wait 14 days after their second dose and they have both been vaccinated, I think that's reasonable. I think what really is a concern is for people who have been vaccinated mixing with people who have not been vaccinated. I, I think in that circumstance, you, you really do still have to continue uh, to wear your mask and social distance. Uh, this next one is from Krista in Wilmington, North Carolina, not far from my birthplace of my mother. This is a fundamental question. Will people who have recovered from the COVID-19 need a vaccine to achieve this mythic herd immunity? Like, will their immunity be good enough for herd immunity? You know, Bill, we've never achieved herd immunity for any disease just through natural infection. And it's for a number of reasons, which includes the fact that often the immunity that you get from the natural infection just is not robust enough. Um, so if you look at, for example, smallpox, smallpox infected humans for millennia, and yet we didn't eradicate smallpox until 1980, I believe, is when it was declared eradicated. And that was through a massive global effort to get everybody vaccinated. So um, I think it's really important to understand that there is a difference in the kind of immune response you get from vaccination versus natural infection. But I, I think the key to getting to herd immunity is vaccination. So I think we will likely eventually get there, but it is going to require everybody stepping up to get vaccinated. I think some people are a little anxious about getting vaccinated and might want to kind of wait and see how things go for other people getting vaccinated first and make sure that the people they know who have been vaccinated had an okay experience with it before they step up themselves. But I think eventually all of us really do need to step up if, if we want to reach that goal. So uh, there's an email from Martin and he asks, he's concerned, are the trials going too fast? In other words, we haven't been able to evaluate these long-term effects, the very effects that might affect people, affect people who've been holding back. Have we been going too fast? There are a couple different ways we've been able to do this quickly and yet safely. So we've had coronaviruses, not COVID, but other coronaviruses around uh, for a long time. And scientists have been working on vaccines for SARS and MERS really for about 20 years. And it's that framework, that skeleton, so to speak, for the vaccine that was used to design the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines. And so we already had a head start. Um, there are other couple things that we did to go faster. So instead of completing the phase one trial, which is really small, just looking at some very basic safety outcomes, 
um, completing the phase one, then going on to a phase two, then going on to a phase three, those actually got ha- done um, in in parallel as opposed to in sequence. So we got those done much more quickly because we weren't waiting for the results of one before moving to the next step. This was the the upside of getting so many infections. You had so many people uh, to incorporate in a in a big study. Wow. Uh, Diane Burzan, a teacher in New Jersey. She's nervous about side effects. Can she take Advil or aspirin after getting injected? And can she put ice on the injection site to slow the swelling? My word. (laughs) She can absolutely put ice on the injection site. There's not a lot of data looking at the use of anti-inflammatories after vaccination. Um, I've only been able to find one paper and sort of conflicting results in that. I would suggest maybe waiting six hours, eight hours before you take that dose of Tylenol or ibuprofen or um, aspirin. But, you know, especially if you're getting two doses of the vaccine, it's highly unlikely that treating yourself in that way would have any impact on the effectiveness of of the vaccine. Yeah. All right. Okay. Here's the big question. Suppose uh, I'm a 35-year-old non-essential worker in Seattle. Suppose I'm a 45-year-old asthmatic in Idaho. Suppose I'm a 65-year-old podcast host in Los Angeles. When will I get my vaccine? So much of this is going to depend on where you live. Um, We are going to see a much stronger, I mean, I should say a partnership because the federal government really has been kind of AWOL over the last year uh, in terms of working with state and local health departments. But we're going to see now a strong partnership between the federal government with state, local, tribal, um, territorial health departments and governments to scale up vaccination. And it's really, it's not going to be a top-down approach of the U.S. government saying this is how everybody needs to do things. Because what we've also seen is that states and, and other regions need the flexibility based on their population, based on their needs to to adapt how they roll it out. But that's going to happen hand in hand, and it will be adapted to local circumstances. So encapsulating this, how many of us are going to be vaccinated by, let's say, June of this year? Well, the president-elect has made it very clear that his goal is to get 100 million shots into arms in the first 100 days he is in office. This is a very high priority for him, perhaps his number one priority entering office. And it's because we now currently have about 4,000 Americans dying per day across the country. That is more than died on 9-11 every day. And that is completely unacceptable to him. And he views this as an all of government response, all hands on deck situation where he wants to get shots into arms as soon as possible. So if 100 million of us get vaccinated in the first 100 days, first three months plus a little bit, how long before the next 200 million are get vaccinated? I think things will frankly speed up, and that's for a couple different reasons. One, based on our conversations with the manufacturers of the vaccines, unless there's some major manufacturing snafu, we anticipate that 
the number of doses released will actually go up month to month. So your supply will increase over time. And we're very focused on expanding where you can get vaccinated. So that's going to be a combination of these mass vaccination sites, um, but also working with local pharmacies where you might pick up your prescriptions, as well as um, local primary care doctors and federally qualified health centers in the community. So once you expand um, the places, the people distributing the vaccine, once the supply opens up, it'll be a lot easier to get people vaccinated more quickly. So you think we're going to production is going to ramp up, awareness is going to ramp up and distribution centers are going to ramp up and be made available to many, many, many of us. And you think that'll happen before the summer? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. Um, and I think come, come June or so, we'll be in a very different place than we are today. Everybody, we've got to stay safe for the next few months so that we can all get vaccinated and achieve this mythic thing called herd immunity in the way that Dr. Gounder's explaining by getting shots in the arms. Thank you so much, Celine. Thank you for taking the time. You must be just busier than ever these days with your job. How often do you go into the hospital? You know, I had to take, I was last in in November and I, after joining the advisory board, did have to take a bit of a break from working in the hospital. It was just too many jobs that I was juggling at that point. Um, But I will be back in the hospital before too long, um, sometime in the spring here. And you feel safe in the hospital because everybody uh, suits up, right? Yeah, you know, and and the um, supply situation has gotten a little bit better in terms of masks and so on. And, you know, I've gotten my two doses of, of Pfizer vaccine. Many of us have gotten vaccinated now. So that certainly um, takes a load off um, in terms of our worries. Thank you so much, Celine. Thank you. My guest today has been Dr. Celine Gounder. She is an assistant professor of medicine and infectious diseases at New York University. She's an epidemiologist and a member of the new President-elect Joe Biden's COVID-19 Advisory Board. Her podcasts are Epidemic and American Diagnosis. I'm Bill Nye. My friends, this is a pandemic. We are all in this together. And now more than ever, science rules. Science is how we're going to get through this. If you like Science Rules, please take a moment to rate and review it on Apple Podcasts and on Stitcher. It helps us out, helps other people learn about the show, helps us know what you want to hear about. So thank you. Science Rules Coronavirus Edition is produced by Harry Huggins and Corey S. Powell. Our editor is Tracy Samuelson. Our engineer is Luz Fleming, who also mixed this episode. Josephine Margaron is our executive producer. Special thanks to Casey Halford. And remember, at Stitcher, Science Rules. Three more things, everybody. Wear a mask, get tested, and get your vaccine of any style as soon as you can. Stitcher. From muddy jungle paths to snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder is ready to take you to some of the most phenomenal destinations on Earth. In a Pathfinder, it's more than just the arrival. The real excitement comes from the ride to get there. With seven drive modes, Pathfinder's available intelligent four-wheel drive is built for some of the most epic journeys. So chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures in the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions.